Welcome to Nightingale. We'll help you to navigate your STEM career. Brought to you by KCL Women in STEM. Welcome back to the fourth episode of Nightingale. Today we're joined by Ria. Ria is studying towards a bachelor's degree in mathematics with management and finance at King's College London. Currently, she is a social media manager at fintech payment platforms, Simply Pay Me, and business development officer at another startup, Cocorio. Ria has completed over 15 internships, including summer trading analyst at HSBC, assurance at EY, and finance analyst at Procter & Gamble. She was invited to the House of Lords for her startup idea and named top 10 student startups of the year by Enterprise Nation. She has been awarded Young Entrepreneur at the Youth Awards and named the 14th most influential student in the UK. In her spare time, Ria runs a YouTube channel, Instagram page, and a blog sharing her experiences in hope to help and support other students with careers and entrepreneurship. Thank you for joining us today, Ria. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me on such a great initiative. It's a pleasure for us. So as I understand, you founded your first startup at 17, raising and management, hundred thousands of investments and organizing 222 exhibition days at venues such as Tate Modern and the British Museum. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, sure. So how I came about this startup was actually from failure. Um, not many people know about this story. So I took up four A-levels as, as normally people used to do before. I think the system's changed a bit now because you can't take an AS. Um, so I did, you know, the typical maths for the maths um, history. And then I thought, why don't I just take up art AS? Because I just want to, you know, have that creative outlet and just give it one more push before I pursue a maths or finance um, career path. And it went horribly wrong. <laughs> I got a C in my AS. Um, is someone who usually gets A's and A stars and stuff. Like getting a C was a really big black mark on my record. And um, yeah, and, and myself and my classmate, who was my co-founder, Yinan, we both did so terribly. Um, both students who excelled in maths and did poorly in, in our, our A level, we realized there's clearly a problem here because in order to be an artist, you know, it, there is no specification to be an artist. It's so subjective. And we realized by doing this AS, you don't actually get an experience of being an artist. So we thought, why don't we just band up with some of our classmates and host an exhibition out in East London with some um, bursary funding from a local organization um, for fun? which we did. And, and we exhibited in Hoxton uh, with some of our classmates and it went so well that we, we just raised so much funds. We sold some art pieces and we also got some media attention too. And from there, um, local organisations said, why don't you submit an application to Arts Council England? And so us being 17, um, we couldn't even sign our cheque because we were so young. <laughs> So being two 17-year-olds, we received £15,000 in funding. That also meant we were the youngest recipients of Arts Council England funding in their history. Um, and yeah, so we got this big cheque and we couldn't sign this cheque because we were just too young. So we had a guarantor for that. Um, so that pretty much is the beginning of my startup. It was just some of us classmates having a bit of fun, failed at an AS and thought, why not go for a punt? So that was my beginning. <laughs> Wow, that was very impressive. And considering that you were not even 18 back then, that's also very unique. And how did you deal with this failure and, and what did you learn from this? Yeah, so I guess it came as quite a kind of a reality check, like especially for someone who came from a background of a grammar school and the pressure of doing well academically in A-levels and also just thinking, oh, you know, you're the top of your class, you're going to do amazing at everything, right? And I also think this um, is the same thing when you enter in university, you realize you're actually not the top in your class anymore. There's a lot more smarter people out there. Um, and that's how I felt by taking on the RAS, that actually I'm not brilliant at everything and I can fail. And that reality check just meant that um, I had to reflect on 
what I'm doing, what I learned, because I actually learned more by failing than excelling. And I mean, I think this, this is just an account of it that I launched a whole startup because of my failure. And in terms of like how I dealt with it, it's especially if like, I can give you an example quite more recently. Um, so I applied for one of my dream jobs and I got through to, I think one of the final stages, like, I think it was a final interview and they have like four or three interview stages and they're incredibly grueling. Like I, I had been prepping for two to three months for it. And I got rejected on the final interview stage. And that really hurt because, you know, if you're working so hard, you're studying, you really want that job and you, yeah, you've just invested so many hours and time into it. Yes, it hurt. And I think that's when I realized I had to step back and reflect and also take that time to grieve. I know it's, it's quite um, dramatic, but like when you've invested so much time and emotion in something and you really want something, that failure is, it's easy to say, oh, you know, you pick yourself up again and go forth. But no, when you, you've put so much heart and energy into it, I think you should allow yourself some time to pick yourself up again and really grieve and reflect and allow yourself some time. Like, you know, we're only human and just living it during this period of a pandemic, it's just so difficult. So give you yourself that um, slack to um, reflect on your on what happened and just, yeah, just have a moment to catch your breath, really. That's how I dealt with more recent failures. But other than that, I would say like, take failure with grace. Don't be, don't be sour about it. I think that's just you sportsman tips there. Um, and, and always just reflect, like don't take it personally. And that's just generally in business. And in life, like not everything is a personal attack to yourself or your you as an individual. That was a really good answer. And that was a really good advice as well. Something that I have experienced myself. Sometimes when you're working for too long and you're investing both emotionally and you're investing your time and you're sacrificing on like studying and other activities and you got rejected it, it is really hard and and a lot of people are telling that oh it's it's just like another rejection just just treat it like a this is just along the way you will you will be fine but it's actually not we need to tell people that it is fine to feel disappointed or sad it's human emotions and it's, it's fine to give yourself a break sometimes and definitely to reflect it might be the case that the job is actually might not be the one that you you think was your actual dream job maybe there is something else better waiting for you definitely and also like going back to your a levels time how did you balance your own company while also applying to university completing a levels and having a social life looking at that time i have no idea how i balanced everything but i think one thing is it's like a yeah an underlying factor that i've seen a theme with me myself at least is that passion drives me so it's it's not about like you know it's not a tick box so I'm not doing it just because I have to do it it's the passion that drives me and some people might say that's not the right answer or you know that's not healthy maybe I'm not the right person to answer it because I do like to commit to something wholeheartedly but it's the passion that keeps you up and working on that startup or on that um, degree or any of these ideas so it's definitely passion but now I think what I've learned considerably as well now that I take on so many more um, like roles and degrees and a lot more responsibilities I have realized that priority is definitely a key when it comes to balancing things so always prioritize your um, your work understand like where which one do I have a deadline to meet which ones do am I expected to perform on? How can I actually utilize my time smartly and not just work hard, right? And I think that's something I learned the hard way. I would always, because passion is my drive, I always thought, oh, if I put so much hours, if I work till 3 a.m., this is gonna be exceptional. But that's not always the case. You've got to learn that trick quite earlier on that actually working smartly will achieve the same, um, the same results than working hard till 3am and actually employers now recognize that they they prefer people who can do the job in half an hour as opposed to two hours so don't think by you sticking around for two hours is is a 
is an accomplishment. It's actually not. It means you're not working smartly enough. So yeah, it's about being smart and also prioritizing your, um, your workload and knowing your expectations as well. Now, in terms of like how I actually individually tackle this, I have, so I like tag everything into my calendar. If it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so your calendar is your best friend, whether that's your old school, you know, planner or it's on your iPhone. Um, I would suggest iPhone because it shows up on my laptop. It shows up on all my emails. So it's, I can't escape what's, what's been put in the calendar. So that's one thing. Another thing is I do a brain dump. So whenever I have like a pressing task or someone, for example, one of my line managers she's just popped up to me on whatsapp and said oh Rio, could you complete this task and i know if i walked away and like did something else i'll completely forget about that task so i just put it on my notes page i just brain dump everything so i don't feel the pressure i don't feel the anxiety of how many things i've taken on but also i won't miss out on that work and i won't like uh, not meet my expectations so always do a little brain dump and I think the key thing here is, especially because we're in a pandemic and with all of these other um, pressure cooker um, environments, is to take that time out. So in the evening, always like barricading off like two to three hours at like seven o'clock or whatever. So for instance, for myself, my friend and I, we always watch a movie or watch an episode of something at like eight o'clock. <laughs> and, and like, for my friend, they they go to bed at like 9.30, which is just, for me, it's just ridiculous, but they have, a, they have a different time clock. So they get really annoyed if I work beyond eight o'clock because they're like, well, we're not gonna be able to watch our full episode, so you have to stop working at eight. But that's a great way for me to push back on my work and actually have one hour or two hours to chill and really step back because you will burn out eventually right there's unless you're taking some enhancements or anything like that which isn't healthy you will burn out so do set out that that extra time every evening every day to relax and unwind yeah have healthy boundaries with your schedule and with your life just just to make sure you do have time to recharge and to like refresh your mind and definitely interact with other people because especially now you just sometimes forget to talk to other people outside of work like you have completed over 15 internships so can you tell us which you found the most interesting and beneficial for you like looking at it now at the stage where you have already completed all of them and you understood something from your failure what would you say were the most interesting ones my the, the most beneficial and best experience for me is actually one of my first ever jobs and that's working as a sales advisor at Debenhams. So for people who don't know Debenhams is a big retailer and I think they're nearly bust now but they were they're like your Selfridges or John Lewis or etc and that was one of my first jobs as a 16 or 17 year old and honestly that probably is the best experience looking down at my CV purely because that actually taught me how to deal with the public, how to actually deliver good customer service right because you don't know who's going to walk through the door it could be someone who's absolutely pleasant to speak to really polite but then it could also be someone very rowdy and just doesn't have any patience so those are the skills that actually help you later on in life and another thing was it grew my confidence as someone who was quite shy, um, I couldn't even speak to waiters in restaurants. I'd always nudge my mom, oh, could you order that thing? Or, oh, I really want like another Coca-Cola or whatever. Um, so that actually broke my shell and made me um, believe in myself. And another thing people don't realize is, um, okay, maybe now it's not as relevant, is um, work uh, politics which is something that really does work in your favor if you know how to handle it. So maybe it's not as apparent in like a virtual uh, world, but it really taught me as a sales advisor that you need to, how to communicate to your sales, um, other sales advisors, to your managers, how to be on their good side, how to really understand what makes people tick and how can you actually get work out of them. So it's, it's more about people skills, right? And working with your colleagues. And that's a really key skill to develop early on. So you're able to work with those people and also to, to get the things out of them when you need it. <laughs> So that's definitely one of my most beneficial experiences. Something more high level I can refer back to is a recent internship I, I did at HSBC. 
So I was working on the FX option structuring desk. So this is very high level, really stimulating intellectually, really enjoyed it from a map uh, perspective because I was still doing the formulas and things that I actually learned in my theory. So like being in a cohort of other interns, I think there were about 20 of us, I think I ended up on one of the most difficult uh, desks. And because it was structuring, I was a, the only intern that worked on structuring as opposed to trading or um, in sales. And I had a mentor, so he was on my desk, he wasn't my line manager, and he had done a maths master's and an undergraduate at Cambridge. So I feel very intimidated sitting there as a second year math student, little old me from King's and he's done like a really like, you know, in-depth research on like the Black-Scholes formula that um, that drives the whole Brownian motion for, um, for trading and stocks, right? So I came in there like, oh yes, I know what Brownian motion is. That's about it. I don't actually know like the engineering behind it. And he slammed a big, thick book on my desk and said, well, now you can read about it. And how about you answer a few pricing models for me too? And I was like, damn it, did I just select the wrong desk? But honestly, the, that experience, yes, it was incredibly grueling. And sometimes I didn't get to the answer. And he, it was almost like tough love. Like it was Friday, 9pm. And he would be like, I'm not going to tell you the answer. Can you price this model for me? And I went to one of my interns and I was nearly about to tear up because I was just like, I can't do this. I'm so tired. I've been here for like, I don't know, 12 hours. And he said, no, I'm not letting you go until you get the answer. And in the end, yes, I got the answer after hard work, after looking through all of these things. Maybe that's not great work-life balance, but looking back at that, he taught me a great lot from there. And even the knowledge that I got from that internship, I'm still able to apply it to my degree and vice versa. So I guess like sometimes whilst you're in the experience, you don't feel like, you know, this is great. You think, you know, this is tough love. Um, I'm not enjoying it. It's awful. But when you reflect back, actually those really challenging experiences, what teach you the best of you and actually teaches you the greatest lessons in life. Yeah, absolutely. That is a very great mixture of experiences. The first that you mentioned how you develop your interpersonal skills and like more of a soft skills and then to moving to more technical ones. And yeah, you're right. You, you could definitely apply that for your degree, but going through that, like as an intern, knowing that you are in the workplace already and someone is checking your work and it needs to be done, that is very stressful. And yeah, I think that's probably when we do learn how to get out of our comfort zone and learn the most about like a certain topic or an area or just an industry in general. Um, so when you were looking for those internships, so how did you learn about them and what helped you to navigate those resources? I guess it would be really useful for students to know your story, like how you find them, like all 15 of them. So there's three steps here, right? So step one is to start at your university careers portal. So King's does have a dedicated careers portal. And there you have uh, job postings tailored for students and who actually have an, a background in academia. So that it's really in line with, you know, the different expectations in terms of salary expectations and funding and support. And also because this is posted within the university's careers portal, you actually get support with the application too. So I know for Kings, um, especially if it's something they've sponsored, you can actually go out and, and say to them like, you know, look, this is something I need help with my cover letter, my CV, and they would be more than happy to look over that. And even just generally, if it's something you've applied for outside of the university careers portal, you can still book an appointment with one of the careers advisors. So you can do a mock interview or a mock assessment center. The university's careers portal should be your starting point because there's great postings on there um, and you'll get the support you, you require. So step two would be to apply through LinkedIn. So you must have made a LinkedIn profile by now. And if you haven't, you have to make it now. That's something I keep going on about in everything I say and do and post. LinkedIn profiles are super powerful. I've had recruiters make me skip some stages in the hiring process just because they viewed my profile and, and also seen my experience. So it's also about your branding. 
that is the first time your recruiter will engage with you and they'll understand your your you as a personality and, and your experience by viewing your LinkedIn profile. Now, if you don't have the presence and if you don't keep it updated, then they can have not a very good picture of what you've done so far. So updating and also making a LinkedIn profile is vital in this current time, in, in this virtual pandemic environment we live in. So yes, through LinkedIn, you can connect with your recruiters and also you can understand the company's vibe and also their culture from just their posts. So being in the know-how, which will help you with the interview stages as well. So that's definitely a key too. Um, and one other thing with LinkedIn is I believe you can update your profile to say that you're open to work. So that's like a filter you can stick on. So a lot of then a lot of recruiters will be notified that you are some someone that's looking for work, which is great as well. So step three is applying through these alternative search engines. So now there's loads that have popped up. So there's things like SEO London, Bright Network and Rare Recruitment. So SEO London is one of my favorites because they've helped me so much. I mean, from just looking for different places to apply for, like firms that I didn't even know existed, also support with my CVs and my assessment centers, knowing exactly what's going to come up, and also just finding a great deal of other people and peers and networks that could actually help me. So genuinely, it's just more about the network and the peers that can push you through like really difficult industries, because some of these assessment centers and interviews are honestly quite grueling. Like, for instance, with consulting, you have a whole case study to go through. And that's something you can't do alone. And especially if you're working remotely, where do you find these people? Like, I, I'll be quite surprising if all of your friends want to go into consulting. That's rarely ever the case. So by connecting with these different agencies like SEO London, you're then also put forward into these WhatsApp groups where you can find people across the country that are also applying for consulting. And I found so many new friends through SEO London and we've just cased each other, prepared for um, interviews with each other and also gave each other tips. So one of my friends is applying for one of the consultancy firms that I'm applying for, but his interviews before me. So he'll, he'll tell me like, you know, what to expect. So things like that it's it's building your network it's not about just building a network with recruiters and employers and all of those fancy things it's also making a network with your peers because in the future those are going to be the people who become your colleagues so it's that's also a great place to start um things like bright network is great to find resources. So they have great blogs on students um, sharing the experiences, just like how I do on my blog and on my Instagram page. So that's always good as well if you're answering, you know, those application questions at the beginning where they say, oh, why, why do you want to work here? Why this role? Why this stream? So Bright Networks has loads of blogs on that. And I usually use that to aid me um, fill out those questions. There's a few other uh, newsletter programs as well. So there's one called Cove Inter and this is a website where you can apply for internships in America, in, um, in Australia, all sorts, right? So that's one of the, the best things about this pandemic is you can actually become an intern for a startup in, in San Francisco. So that's something I did. So last time I actually interned for a company based in Las Vegas. And I did this through the King's uh, University Careers Portal. And the luxury of this pandemic is that I actually was able to apply for this and become an intern. Otherwise, usually they only hire people from Stanford or Harvard. But because we've, we can work from home and virtually, I was able to do so. So that opens a lot more doors. But obviously, there is a caveat there, because that means you're, um, you're in competition with people who are applying from India or China or Russia or etc. So there's obviously, with, there's, with great pros, there are some cons too. But other than that, there's a few other newsletters like Ladder Newsletter. So if you just type that up on Google, it'll come up and you just pop in your email address and you're assigned to there. I think it's a monthly or weekly newsletter. There's also another one called Remote Work for Students. Again, type that up and then you can be signed up to their newsletter. And now one last very, very important newsletter that everyone should um, sign up to is the C plus newsletter or 
indeed any of the other alternatives in at your university. So King's has a specific newsletter for ethnic minorities or anyone that has disabilities, or if you're a woman or any of those minorities, they do have a specific careers newsletter that goes out and they have great opportunities for people and those individuals. So for instance, um, Amazon usually doesn't do many um, events for their interns and graduates, but because I was signed up to the King's C Plus newsletter, I was informed and also invited to the Ben Network um, event with Amazon. So Ben stands for the Black and Ethnic Minority Network at Amazon. And because I was just signed up, I got invited and I didn't even have to apply or do anything. It was literally just sign up put your name in, email address, and I was in. Now, my friends afterwards asked me, how did you even find this opportunity? And I was like, honestly, it found me <laughs> because I was signed up to all these right things and newsletters. So it's easy as dropping your email address. So find those brilliant like newsletters that are already out there doing the great work. You don't need to do any work. You just have to drop your email address in. That was very helpful and very detailed. We'll definitely put all the resources in the speaker notes so all the listeners can check it out. The very first point is very important. Start with the resources that King's is already providing for you because this is a part of your university journey. And as we mentioned in our previous episode with Shelley, there are so many things that university can help you with at the very early stages of your application. This is something that I've been using myself and they can also help you with interview preps. Definitely, definitely go go there. LinkedIn, absolutely. This is the impression that you, you will make, especially now there is no other way how people can look at you and find you and do interact with your peers, absolutely. So sometimes when you're going to career events, it's not about interacting with people from HR, they might not even remember you, but creating this network with students who are applying for the same roles, it is very useful. Sometimes they can tell you about like a very interesting program happening at Google or somewhere else that you can apply for, or as we just said, you can prepare for case interviews and other sort of interviews like coding interviews. You can practice together. You can send each other resources. So do utilize those resources that are available. And we will include all the links uh, to the newsletters mentioned so people can sign up and definitely benefit from those ones. And I think the main takeaway from this is be open to like new ideas. Do sign up for different resources that already exist there. And it's not just like you just sitting there and sometimes applying for jobs and not getting in. It's about what you think is like outside of your box. Just do different things. There are so many things available. And it's not fair to say that life is unfair and there are not enough resources or jobs available and I'm not good enough or my university is not good enough or something like that. There's just so many things that exist and you can benefit from them if you decide to take advantage of them. Your life is in your hands, basically. And what would you say your top three tips for students who are looking for a competitive job, especially those who are searching for a job at the moment, whether that's a graduate job or a summer internship? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that a job specification is a, is a tick list, that you need to meet everything on that criteria. But actually, a job specification is a wish list. So you don't need to meet every single thing. I mean, obviously, if this job says that you have to be a back-end developer, then obviously don't apply it and, and you don't have coding experience. But like the other, other little specifications, it's just more of a wish list than actually a tick list. So that's one of my key tips. My second tip would be um, rejection is uh, redirection. <laughs> Very cheesy, but also it does actually it does form your direction and, and the career path that you should be on, right? There's a reason why you were rejected. And, and also don't take that rejection personally, right? Because it's like, I think I mentioned previously as well, it's not, it's not an attack on you as an individual. It just might mean that you, you're not a fit culturally for that firm, 
or it's just at the moment you've not reached that experience level to be um, accepted onto that firm or that that role so don't take it personally and also take that as a redirection to reevaluate why you're applying for that role or that firm and then my third tip would be is that your network truly is your net worth another cheesy line but it's it's true it definitely holds true because there's so many instances like you rightly mentioned as well that it's not just about connecting with um, recruiters and the HR managers it's actually connecting with your colleagues and your peers and those are the people that actually build your confidence and and build on the knowledge and opportunities that are available out for you because sometimes there's some opportunities I'm not even aware of and and actually my friend has um, participated in and tells me that you know Ria why don't you apply to this Google program and or this Amazon program and if I didn't have those connections I wouldn't have been aware of them especially at a time like this when we're all virtual we're not we're not having those small talk conversations and running into people so it's ever more important to stay connected with our peers off our courses and in societies and outside that as well so and I'll, I'll give you an example here as well. So I actually received a job at the back of knowing people and just growing my network. So I interned for the King's Entrepreneurship Institute, which is an opportunity they run annually. So that's something you can look into. And I believe every year they open that, um, that opportunity around May or April. Um, I'm not sure how it would work in this virtual space, but I'm sure they will still run that program and it's a paid experience. And there's other institutes within the King's University uh, that run these opportunities. And I believe with the King's Entrepreneurship Institute specifically, they hire 12 interns over the summer. And I was one of them, I think, I believe in my one of my first years or my second year. And from there, um, I worked with a few startups and I also networked with other people outside of my direct employers and in my direct team and yeah and so there was one lady called Leia and she was absolutely brilliant I think she was doing social media for the KEI at the time and yeah she wasn't really in line within my team or anything we just had great conversations and and yeah I built my network there we connected on LinkedIn here's another thing why you should have LinkedIn um, it's great to keep them in your little spider web <laughs> so to speak and yes, a few years on this year, when I was looking for jobs and just things to do because it was lockdown, I think this was in September or in August, and I just finished my internship uh, with the Las Vegas firm and I had nothing to do. And I was like, I'm really bored. Let's let's build up my time. And then I saw Leia post something on LinkedIn because we were connected. And she said, I'm looking for someone to help me with copywriting and social media management. And I thought, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. And being a maths um, undergraduate, I have no experience in writing essays or writing anything but I still thought let's go for a punt why not like what's the worst that can happen they'll say no um so yeah so I reached out to her because we already had that relationship going I didn't have to approach her as a recruiter or a HR manager I just said oh you know hey it's so nice since the last time we spoke over that summer and you know it's great you're running this startup um I'd be really interested to join so I informally sent her my cover letter and CV yes like I still had to go through the process but because we already built that rapport and we had that relationship I think that did aid my chances of getting that job so that's not there's a difference between nepotism and your network so if you build those relationships prior that actually will help you getting through the door and yeah so now I'm actually their business development officer and I've been in this role for nearly uh, 10 months I believe so that's just one um, example of how I've got through the door just because of my network. Thank you for that. And, and who has been your biggest role model and inspiration throughout your journey? And have they changed since you started university? I was asked for research for one of my friends dissertation. And they said, like, who are your role models? Is it other women? And in fact, I said, no, it's not actually other women. It's more about people who look like me and that I can relate to. So it's not about, is it a woman or a man? It's more about the people that have um, gone through the same struggles as I have. So, or that look like me and have gone through the same cultural experiences. So there's someone who's really big called Lily Singh. 
She's a YouTuber. Um, her former name was Superwoman, um, and she has a talk show now. So she started off on YouTube, and she went off to then host her own like tours um, around the globe. And now she's got one of those, you know, those late shows. You know, how you have Jimmy Fallon and all of those other ones. And now she has a late show, I think, on NBC. She's she's from Canada, and now she's moved to America. But it's it's more about the relatable journey or experience that you look up to yes she so happens to be a woman but it's just because she comes from a similar similar background as me and having a person in the limelight and so high up to look up to knowing that they look like you and they've come from that same background really does give you motivation so I think Lily Singh is is definitely a role model for me it's not more to say about her work it's just to see someone that looks like me that's so high up. And yeah, I think it's more about representation, whether that's your, your cultural heritage or that's your gender or as a woman, whatever it is that motivates you. I think that's what is key here when it comes to role models. And other than that, I think it's more closer to home. My, like, again, very cheesy, but my role model definitely has to be my mom. Um, just seeing her uh, growing up as a strong, independent woman, <laughs> um, you know, running her own business, being an artist. I think that was definitely one of the drivers in launching my own startup for the arts seeing how she dealt with just predominantly men in her meetings because you know all these industries are just usually just filled with men and you have to negotiate with them and once I did ask my mum this question you know when it was such a hot topic like obviously it still is quite a hot topic about women in the workplace etc um, and I said to mum like you know how did you find like when you went into these negotiations and meetings and you know you you were the only woman and she was like what She's like, I never thought of that. Like going into that room, I never thought that, oh, I'm a woman and it's just men. I thought I'm here for business. I have to meet these agendas and this is what I want from this meeting. So it was never about boxing myself in like, oh, this is my gender. So I'm going to be, you know, alone. You're more than your gender, right? And it's, it's quite sad that obviously people do judge you by your appearance and your gender. But if you actually go past that and actually do work that emulates uh, more than what you look like, then people will perceive you and take you on that basis. So don't box yourself up before the world does, right? So that's what I think one key advice I got from my mum is never feel limited because of your background or because you're a woman. You enter the workforce with the great work. Let your work speak volumes as opposed to your background and your perception. Yes, obviously, there's a great deal to say about your branding and you know gender equality, etc. But that shouldn't be the first thing you ask yourself. Oh, I'm a woman, and should I feel like you know boxed up and going into this meeting with? with men and stuff that shouldn't be the case do go into that room with your work um so yeah I guess my mom's my role model thank you for sharing this and have you ever faced discrimination towards your gender while studying your degree or in the workplace or when you had a startup oh god yeah definitely um in terms of uh, gender discrimination so I was interning for quite a big firm it still makes me shocked till this day. And it was one of those drinks, you know, those icebreaker um, events where they've just onboarded all the interns and we're sitting in a circle and all the senior members of the, the firm were there. And yeah, and it is obviously quite like nerve wracking because it's the first um, impression you want. You want to leave a good impression with all these senior leaders. And I, I believe this person was the head of that department that I was applying for. And we all sat in a circle and we're all talking and he was, you know, explaining all of his experiences. And then we were going around the circle, like conversation, and we were asking questions as well. And some other intern who happened to be a, a male had asked him a question, you know, in between his dialogue or his spiel. And he obviously said, oh, thank you so much for that question. And, you know, you're engaged, et cetera, et cetera. And then I obviously went on to ask a question and he just spoke at me and he just said, I don't interrupt me. Let me finish. And I was just like, what? Like, I didn't speak over you. I, I, you know, spoke. I asked a question because I wanted to be engaged and I genuinely was in, interested. And then I realized this was a theme 
and it happened again and it happened again and I thought maybe in that instance maybe it was like maybe it was my fault because you always do think you know maybe I, I've done something wrong or maybe I've been rude or I didn't that wasn't the right time to speak but I kept on seeing that again and again whenever me or one of the other female interns said something he would just slam it down and he just would not hear us out and I found that quite disgusting and I think that spoke volumes for that department it's unfair to say it spoke volumes about that firm but in, indeed it did put me off to join that that company um, and it, yeah it just showed the culture of that specific team I mean it's it's upsetting because maybe it's because it's a generational thing and I do feel like more recent managers and um, seniors who have gone through this experience and are a lot more aware that you know this change is coming and you've got to appreciate um, everyone as an individual equally but sadly that's not always the truth there are some people in senior levels that are from a different generation that still need that fine tuning and need to understand that's wrong um, but yeah so that's some, one example of discrimination against my gender and there, there's another example I had discrimination against my age <laughs> so when I was uh, when I started out my um, my art startup uh, with my other co-founder so notoriously the arts industry is very highbrow elite it's only reserved for the very uber rich white retired people right and they normally in rural England and you know and also the barriers to entry to the arts industry is very high like you have to have a lot of money and backing and I think that was pretty much one of my drivers as as an arts um, startup founder but also because we were so young at the beginning and I'm sure this this is what other people share the same experience a lot of people didn't take us seriously so when you'd come into meetings we'd pitch ideas they'd be like oh they're 17 they you know they they come from they don't look like us um they don't know what they're talking about and they're, they're super young like nah and it was definitely an ageist thing um but we used that to our advantage because we looked so different. We stuck out like a sore thumb. Every arts industry event, um, you know, you've got like 50 plus people who all look the same. And then there was just myself and my co-founder. Everyone turned their heads. But because of that disadvantage, we turned it as an advantage. We got called to speak at so many different industry events. For instance, we got the opportunity to host an event at the Tate Modern. Now, if like maybe that was done because we stuck out or because we actually took a different spin at it. We didn't think, oh, poor us, we look different, etc. Actually, we said, because we stand out now, let's take that platform and do something positive with it. And because we took that first step, now other artists and other founders would be able to follow um, in the same path. So I think definitely there is a thing of discrimination, but don't let that hinder you, right? Take that as a positive, change that to an advantage. Now, if you don't join these teams with all the same, you know, old gray white men, you're not going to make that change. So don't just feel like, oh, you know, I don't wanna join this company because it's just old men right actually drive that change if you don't join that company that company is never going to change so i think that's my take on discrimination how to deal with it i really loved how you turned it to be your advantage when it first started out so as to be like something that was not the way that you expected it to be that that is very impressive and that's very something that people definitely need to hear and inspire themselves whenever they're in a situation like this and another question that I wanted to ask is, what is it running a YouTube channel and a blog alongside your studies? That is something that is, I guess, in a way is helping you to do something more creative or is it something that you feel that this is your mission to share your story with other people? So I guess firstly, why I started it is because I, my friends kept on asking me the same questions. Like, um, for instance, last year when I just before I started my YouTube channel um, or indeed even a year before when I had got those internships in, in one of those very difficult and competitive industries like banking, investment banking and, um, you know, the big four and all of those other places. Um, and a lot of my friends were asking the same things like, you know, what do you how do you answer this? How do you get through the assessment center? And I 
started to make these packs for my friends. And last year when the, the experience was quite dire, um, you know, I really wanted to help my friends because like I was getting those opportunities and, and I kind of, not, not that it was easy, but I knew that, you know, I had to go here. I need, I had to go to the careers university page portal or whatever. And things that seemed obvious to me weren't obvious to them. Um, and I would just go on and on and irritate them <laughs> every evening saying, oh, um, Siobhan, why haven't you looked at the careers portal? Why haven't you done this? And, and I'm just constantly nagging. So I just, I gave up and I thought, let me write this down on a piece of paper, on a document and send this to all my friends that ask me for advice. And it genuinely, I wanted to help. Um, and like I saw them struggle where I felt like, yes, I've got the insights here. Why can't I share it with my peers and my colleagues? And that's when they said, why don't you just do start a YouTube channel sharing exactly this? Um, and yeah, so I guess that's um, how uh, the YouTube channel, the Instagram page started. And also because it was locked down, um, I just it, I was bored and I was like, why don't we just turn this into something creative and positive? Um, so yeah, that, that's one thing. And I do enjoy giving back. Like I've had so much support from other peers through SEO London, from other colleagues, from mentors, etc. And I feel like now it's my turn to give back. I don't want to be a hoarder with all this knowledge and insight, actually help someone else that was in my position a few years ago, get to, you know, the experiences that I've enjoyed. So that's why, um, why I've ran it in terms of what it's like. Oh, it's, it's definitely challenging, to be very honest. Um, there has been times where I've had to step back. Um, for instance, during, Oct I think it was from November to December, um, that's when I was doing all the case um, study practices and doing the case interviews, applying for all these different um, jobs and grad jobs. And then of course you have coursework, you have class tests, you have uh, content to cover. And then I was also working for two other startups and that got too much because you know, with social media and Instagram, you do need to post, well, you don't need to, but that's the expectation that you need to post like two to three times a week, you need to be constantly engaged, otherwise the, the reach falls and your followers don't um, stay with you. Um, and it got too much for me. And that's when I realized actually, where, where does the priority lie here? And I think that goes back to my point of priority. I knew that I had to do my coursework. I knew I had to apply for all these jobs. Um, and what could I actually lose out on? Um, yes, it was painful, but I knew that maybe don't pressure uh, pressurize myself on posting all the time on Instagram. That's why I stepped away from Instagram for about two to three months, but that did wonders for my mental health. And that meant that I can focus on the things that really truly were um, expected of me, like my coursework, like my exams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in terms of my YouTube channel, so over um, lockdown at the beginning, I did push out like three videos I think and it, it gained so much traction which I'm so grateful for um, but it was hard work goodness me um, like hats off to everyone that has a YouTube channel because it's a lot of work for very little results you have to do your scripting you have to do your structuring I mean you're obviously quite aware of this because you run this podcast it's so much effort that people don't appreciate and understand right you you've got to plan things in advance you've got to script it then you've got to film it then you've got to edit it and then all the lighting and getting ready. It takes so much time. And um, and I felt like I could do the same thing through my Instagram page and my blog and, and also creating this platform that I launched. Um, you could say a soft launch called Sourcebox. I've not really pushed it that much again because I didn't want to pressurize myself. But definitely after graduating, this is something I want to push, which is sharing resources vital for employment um, through this platform called Sourcebox. Um, and I am looking for people to join me on that journey to help and give back to others. But yeah, so it's definitely been challenging to balance everything. But hopefully once I graduate, I'd love to return back to pushing on more content on my YouTube channel. But at current, I am managing my Instagram page, which is great. <laughs> that is a lot of work for just one person trying to apply for all the jobs, working in startups, and then managing an Instagram and YouTube channel. And there's a lot of uh, things happening behind the scenes that people do not see. They look at your LinkedIn profile, for example, and they found that you have done 15 different internships, that that's what they see, but they never know what's happening on the other side, how you're actually like preparing for this. And that is totally okay to step back sometimes. Yeah, thank, thank you for sharing this. 
And I think it's like people really do not appreciate what it is to be uh, like a YouTuber or a podcaster. So much work invested into that for people to just absorb content. It's different from actually creating the actual content. So yeah, this is a lot of hard work. Yeah, thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. And you have breadth and variety of experience. You worked in different industries. You had your own business. What are your plans for graduation? After I graduate, um, I guess like my long-term goal is eventually to, to run my own startup. Because when I first launched my first startup when I was 17, it was obviously quite premature. I didn't develop all the skills that was required. And I think right now I want to hone in on those skills. So before I actually start my launch, my startup, I want to work under someone that's inspirational and learn um, under great management and leadership. And I think this is where I can actually do this is working for a big firm and really honing on my skills, understanding how good management, what good management looks like, um, understanding my technical skills better, because there's loads of things I need to polish and I'm just getting started. So I really want to develop myself first and then later on launch my startup. That's like maybe 10 to 15 years down the line. But otherwise, I think it's definitely great by uh, launching a startup when you're young. It's not to say that, you know, you need all the skills and you need to be super prepared because that actually taught me so much because I threw myself in the deep end. But yeah, I think when I do launch a startup again 2.0, I think it'll be good to, to get all those tool bag and, and get all the tools first and then go on to that. So that's my plans. Yeah, that is a very good plan. You will definitely be prepared 100%. You, you already know how it works and you will just pick up the skills um, quickly. And yeah, we wish you the best of luck. Is there anything else that you would have had liked to know while looking for jobs that you didn't? So there's two things here. Honestly, follow your heart and don't fun, uh, follow the money trail. Um, and, and that's something I fell into the trap of. And yes, there's been so many people that have said the same thing to me, you know, just follow your heart, your passion, etc. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to use my brain. And honestly, I, I fell flat on my on my face because you won't excel in something that your heart's not into. So don't go into finance or banking because that's the most uh, shiny and the most money motivating job out there. Go for something that actually you're passionate about and something you care about. For instance, after my maths degree, during my maths degree, even everyone usually goes into finance and banking. I'm sure you're aware to, with it as well. And I tried it as well. And I just didn't enjoy it because I couldn't use my people skills and my creative side. And yes, it was intellectually stimulating. I got to use my degree um, knowledge, but it didn't use me as a whole and it didn't, didn't drive me and that's why I feel like something like consulting is a better fit but I only realized this like later on very later on like um, around about October of this academic year and you're never too late to make that switch and don't feel pressured that you must go into a certain industry because you've, you've studied a degree in that. So yeah, I think that's the key things. Don't believe that you have to pursue a career in, in what you've studied in. So if you're a maths graduate, doesn't mean you have to go into something that's um, numerical and uh, maths driven. And also don't follow the money trail, follow your heart in, in what you want to pursue. Um, and I guess my second thing, which something people usually don't tell you, but the world is very, very small, even more so now that we're working virtually and working from home and word does get around. So always present yourself positively, never be negative, never talk badly about anyone. Obviously do raise your voice when you need to. So if there's something that is wrong, 100% bring it to light. But remember that even those small interactions with people from your classmates to your lecturers, that can get around. So always present yourself as you wish to receive someone else. So yeah, that, that would be my last note there. That is a very good advice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And we know that you have a very busy schedule and you're in your final year as well. So we wish you the best of luck for the future. And thank you so much for coming. We really enjoyed talking to you. 
Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Best of luck for both of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nightingale. Tune in next time for more insights and how to navigate your STEM career.